Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Parenting Aces Radio Show on Blog Talk Radio's UR Tennis Network. We are finally back with a show after a couple week hiatus. It's been a little crazy trying to pin down guests. Um, I guess everybody's really busy this time of year. The fall college season is underway, school's back in session, and uh, the, the tennis world just seems to have a lot going on, which is a good thing, but makes it a little more challenging on my end to get people to commit to an hour in the middle of their work day. But thankfully today, I pinned down Erica Perkins Jasper, the COO of ITA. She is at the All-Americans in Tulsa right now, and she is taking a little break from her craziness to talk to us, so I don't want to keep her waiting. She is on the line, and I'm going to go ahead and bring her on the air, and we'll jump right in. Erica, thanks so much for being with us. I know life is cuckoo out there, and you've got a gajillion tennis-playing college kids around you, so thanks for taking some time with us. No problem. You know, I'm always excited to find some time to get on your show, so thank you. Well, I we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on with the ITA, and you and Tim have made some amazing changes to the organization and are doing, an, you know, an incredible job with um, getting the information out. The website looks great. The social media presence is really strong, and I'm so happy to see that. I mean, that's, you know, college tennis is huge for me and and I'm just I'm thrilled that you guys are are really kind of stepping it up and and pushing things to the next level. So, from the long side of things, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. And you know, I think credit really goes to our staff in particular, Dan Johnson, who's our director of communications, who's really taken it upon himself to make some systematic upgrades to what I would call a older, older website. And then, you know, Laura Schusler handles all our social media and really was at the forefront of kind of our rebrand this summer. She's done an amazing job. The cool thing is when you hire really great people, they make you look pretty good and you get to kind of sit back and watch. So it's been fun to see what they've been able to do. And and I think we love being able to interact with people in the tennis media and college tennis media like yourself. Um, So hopefully we can just continue to grow and, and do a better job. Well, you know, it's nice to know that, from my perspective, I can rely on the information coming out of ITA now. That wasn't always the case, and there, you know, historically hasn't been any place to go uh, from a parent's side to get the most up-to-date information on what's going on in college tennis. And thankfully, with Bobby Knight out there reporting results constantly, um, you know, we have a go-to with him, and um, I'm I pretty sure to... Bobby doesn't sleep. Is that what you think too? <laughs> I yeah, I'm kind of thinking that too, and, I, and I'm pretty sure he's got young kids, so I, I don't really get it. Or <laughs> I think his kids are definitely my my kids' age, so uh, I'm yeah. impressed to say the least. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The guy is on it, and thank goodness because it's just so easy to go to his site and you know pick up scores or pick up draws and. And um, I just, I feel like the community is finally starting to kind of come together. You guys are really reaching out to people like Bobby and Colette and tennis recruiting and, 
even little old me, and, you know, we're we're kind of all working together to make sure that the college tennis story gets out there. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, I give Tim a lot of credit in his leadership. One of the things he's continued to talk about, and I know you guys have probably talked about is telling the story of college tennis, you know, and obviously I've been involved either as a player, as a coach or administrator since 1997 with college tennis. It really is my passion, but there's still a lot of information that we need to continue to get out there and get people excited about it. And I think the neat thing about partnering with some of our college tennis media out there is some of you can, can do some of the things that we can't do. You know, we we can't do a lot of opinion pieces. We are kind of stuck in facts and, and whatnot. And, being able to kind of share the wealth and show what some of our awesome media is doing is, has been fun for us, and I think we're growing some cool partnerships that way. That's fantastic. Well, one of the ways that you're sharing the wealth is by putting on the Oracle ITA Masters. It's coming up in Malibu and, um, gosh, about a week, a uh, little over a week. And um, we've got the college piece of it. We've also got the junior piece of it with UTR working on that. And I'm going to be out there, and I'm, I'm so excited. And I'd love to have you just talk a little bit more about this event and why it's become an important event on the college calendar and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what's in store in the future for this event. Yeah, well, you know, I think obviously we have an incredible partnership with Oracle that was actually started before Tim and I got on board with David Benjamin and, and the previous leadership. And they did a national championship type event last year, which was an amazing tournament, but with two national championships, the All-Americans and the National Indoors on the schedule, adding a third left things pretty cramped. And so one of the things that Tim, myself, Corey, and our coaches um, on the Division One Operating Committee discussed was doing something a little more different and creative. And, you know, again, credit goes to Tim and the leadership at Oracle and, and Mark Hurd, who's exceptionally passionate both about college tennis but also junior tennis and tennis in general, and coming up with something that maybe provided more opportunity for all of Division One college tennis. Um, sometimes we tend to focus just in one segment, which tends to be a little Power Five heavy. So creating an event that brought some different faces. Um, and then one of the things that Tim's always been passionate about is um, kind of a level-based system, ratings-based, and we have a, a great partnership with UTR, and so we were able to kind of integrate UTR into both the collegiate event and then also set up this junior event in partnership, which I think is going to be pretty cool. Um, there's going to be a lot of good tennis in Malibu, and it's going to be a little different than a normal collegiate event or a normal junior event. So I'm super, super excited, and, you know, it's been fun. I just got to Tulsa yesterday. I'm on day two of a 14-day road swing between Tulsa and Malibu, and um, a number of the coaches who are taking players to the Oracle Masters next week have come up to me and said, oh, we're so excited. This is an opportunity we don't normally get. Um, you know, some of these programs may not have tremendous funding, and we're providing some travel stipends to get players there. The coaches are appreciative. The players are excited. I, I just think it, at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be a big win for everyone. So we're thrilled. Yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, do you have a feel for what the overlap is going to be between the college event and the junior event? Um, well, in terms of the overlap, 
at the Malibu Racquet Club, um, there will be featured collegiate matches every day. So we'll have collegiate matches and junior matches going on side-by-side at that event. We're also doing a player party. No parents, no college coaches, just student-athletes, both from the junior event and the collegiate event one night, which I think will be nice. Um, I kind of feel like any time you can get that peer-to-peer mentoring, it's it's a really cool opportunity. So um, I think it'll be, it'll be nice. I think it'll be very cool for the juniors to see some college tennis up close and also be able to get that one-on-one interaction maybe that they don't normally get. Right. And, I mean, what nicer facility to play at than Malibu Racquet Club? Holy cow. (laughs) Beautiful facility. And then we're also using Pepperdine um, for a number of the collegiate matches as well, which is another beautiful facility. So we we feel really fortunate to have two excellent event partners in Malibu Racquet Club and Pepperdine. Oh, for sure, for sure. And so for the collegiate event, can you talk a little bit about how the players are selected for that event? And um, it's, I, if, I'm, if I read it correctly, it's a 32 draw. Is that right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a smaller draw. And um, how we did selections, we actually did them over the summer. And so right now in Division One, there's 31 conferences, both on the men's side and the women's side, that sponsor, uh, that sponsor tennis. And so basically every conference-based player of the year from every conference was offered a spot. Now, if there was a player of you who was graduating, we had a system in place based on UTR to select someone else or based on ITA ranking to select someone else. But every conference basically had representation. Now, since selections over the summer, there have been some players recently who have pulled out, and then we filled with at-large from there. And all the at-large spaces, basically have been based on UTR. So the level of our at-large selections have been exceptionally high. Um, So you'll see some teams that you normally don't see at a number of our national championship events, which I think will be very exciting, yet a number of players who are really, really good and should be very competitive. And, you know, our ranking system is is really good and it's very cool. Um, But one thing it relies on is, really cross-pollination and players playing different players and having results. And so in a lot of ways, this will provide some opportunities for some different players to get into the rankings, get opportunities against ranked players they normally wouldn't have. So it should be pretty cool. And one thing that we're doing that's different, because the selections and singles are really done by conference and one player per team for the most part, instead of doing a doubles draw in addition and having more players travel out and as a former coach, I was never a fan of using a date for a player for only doubles. We're doing an exhibition mixed doubles draw. So we'll actually pair the conference selections up together, and there'll be uh, sets of mixed doubles and a mixed doubles champion crowned at the end of the weekend, which I think will be really cool and fun for the fans. And I also think the players will really like it because not very often do they get to do that. For sure. And there's such little uh, crossover between the men's teams and the women's teams, even among teams at the same school. A lot of times, you know, they they train separately, they travel separately. So um, what a cool thing for these kids to get to do doubles. I mean, that's really fun. I think it'll, you know, it'll be different and fun, and we tried to create it where it's not – 
exhausting for them. They're just playing sets of mixed doubles, much like they would in a dual match. But um, I think it'll be a great experience. And, you know, I think that's one thing we've kind of turned our focus to in our championships in kind of year two is continuing to improve the student-athlete experience at our championships, whether it's, you know, player parties or the branding of the actual event. You know, those of you who have been to Tulsa before, um, you walk into the event this year, it really feels like an ITA national championship with the signage and the feel of everything going on. And, and that's kind of where, where we're trying to go with everything. So specifically besides the signage, what else are y'all doing at the, at the All-American this week? Well, I think one of the things, you know, that we're taking a look at overall is, you know, taking an evaluation of draw sizes, how we schedule play. Um, There's a built-in day off this year for the players, which I think is a really good thing and something that we needed to do. Um, We're taking a look even at how we do banquets, um, trying to get creative. Um, Does it make sense to do player parties? Does it make sense to do receptions? You know, basically just doing an overall evaluation of, you know, does this make the tournament better and more fun for the players and coaches? So um, I'm kind of excited at making some changes in the future that way. One of the things that I think is so awesome about the fact that you're now the COO of the ITA is, like you said at the beginning, you really have experienced all levels of college tennis, both from the player side to the coach side, from the USTA side now to the ITA side. I mean, (laughs) you've been in every single space that's part of college tennis, and it's really refreshing to have somebody with, with that hands-on real-life experience now in a leadership role. Yeah, well, I, you know, I still remember when Tim approached me about the position, you know, about a year and a half ago, and to me it was just such a no-brainer. I I love what I do. I love college tennis, and, you know, I go to work every day, and really um, he's allowed me to focus on, what's going to make the events better for the players, what's going to make the events better for our coaches, how do we continue to support our coaches and help them become better at what they do. And so um, hopefully we get some of this official stuff that I've been working over the last year um, under our belt. We can, we can dive in more on that stuff because you're right on. My, my passion for college tennis is exceptionally high, and I definitely love what I do. <laughs> Well, so for my listeners that may not, and you're probably going to shed some light on some things for me too, but for my listeners that may not be as familiar with how the whole college tennis thing works from a management side, can you give a quick little rundown on what the NCAA's role is, what USTA's role is, and what the ITA's role is? Absolutely. We'll see how I do with the uh, acronym alphabet suits. But um, (laughs) in essence, (laughs) the ITA, we really serve as the governing body for college tennis. So we serve as a coaches association. We also certify all our officials. Um, We manage all the individual fall national championships as well as the spring team indoor championships. Um, In terms of the NCAA, they really, in tennis, um, they handle bylaws and rules that pertain to recruiting that are really across all sports. Um, and with tennis specifically, they run the end of your championships. And the same is true for the NAIA, the NJCAA, 
and also the California Junior College System. So they're really in charge of that championship segment. And then the conferences that make up the NCAA or NAIA, junior colleges, et cetera, govern their specific conference championship and a conference regular season. So I would say ITA tennis and kind of what we govern really runs fall through, say, end of February, and then conferences have most of their play there that transitions into the NCAA championships. We've been very fortunate as an organization at the ITA to work really closely with both the conferences, the NCAA, NAIA, and junior colleges. So um, they really utilize 95 to 99% of our rule book um, and utilize ITA rules, which is very rare. Um, a lot of other sports, the NCAA or NAIA has its own rule books. So we've got an incredible partnership there with their staff and leadership. Um, and then in terms of the USTA, the USTA's focus in college tennis for the most part has always been American players. And, um, you know, I used to work for USTA player development and the focus was really the top players um, in college tennis who are American. And Stephen Amitraj has just been promoted to kind of director of collegiate tennis. I believe with Lake Nona coming in, they're going to take a little more holistic approach, um, hosting more matches at that beautiful new facility, which has a 12-court collegiate facility, doing some college match days. They also host an American Collegiate Invitational um, at the U.S. Open that's kind of top American collegiate players and is tied into some wild cards. They've been instrumental recently at helping more colleges host um, pro circuit events. So um, they're a good partner of ours as well. Their focus is a little different, in, though, in that it's not really in the governance of college tennis. Um, theirs is really tennis holistically in the U.S. as the national governing body for tennis. How'd I do? Did I get it you all? You did awesome. You did awesome. <laughs> you did awesome. So one of the things that continues to come up when you talk about college tennis is the number of international players on college teams. And, you know, this this subject has been discussed and discussed and discussed, and we all understand that there are no limitations in Division One, Two, II, or Three in terms of recruiting international players versus American players. There are no limitations in terms of scholarship offered to international versus U.S. players. Um, is this an, an issue that ITA sees as a, quote, problem, or is it an issue that ITA gets involved in at all, and if so, how? So I think at the end of the day, it's funny, and Lisa, you know this is more my personal opinion than, say, the opinion of the ITA, although I think there's a lot of probably coaches who would agree with me since I've been in that space. International players to me aren't really a college tennis problem, but in some ways it's an American tennis problem. And having been a college coach and been out recruiting, I would say a majority of our ITA coaches go out and initially recruit American players. There's not enough volume to match the opportunity that we have right now. And um, I do think the USTA and, and player development are making some changes and creating some things that are a little more inclusive to grow that base and grow the pool. 
Um, but I feel for the most part that there's not, you know, tennis is a, a big international sport. And on the American side, we need to continue to catch up and, and grow the pool. And I think as we see that and as American tennis gets stronger, you see the percentages go up in college tennis. You'll see the percentages go up in the top 100 of pro tennis. You could look at ITF juniors, same thing. Um, that's just Granted, that's just my personal opinion, but that's kind of how I view it. Now, on our side, I think we can continue to help our coaches and look to, in the future, provide educational opportunities to help our our coaches, whether it's recruit better, run their programs better, get more people excited about college tennis. Because I do think we're a great carrot for junior tennis. And if college tennis is exciting and thriving, I do think that helps drive interest, if that makes sense. Sure, and I mean, that's been an argument that I've made, too, is without that goal of college tennis, you know, that opportunity of college tennis, there's very little incentive for a family to get involved in the sport at the junior level because of the fact that it's so time-consuming and can be so expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have to have that opportunity out there to attract people into the sport to begin with, and like you're saying, if you if you don't want the international players on the college teams, then we have to have a better pool of American players for the coaches to choose among. And the only way to do that is to get more kids playing tennis, period. You know, we have to Absolutely. get them started in the sport. Yeah. And, you know, I think so, in college tennis, we have the kind of corner on the F word, as I'd like to say, and the F word being fun. Um, you know, I would argue other than the U.S. Open, I would say the college tennis product right now is the most exciting, fun tennis product out there for fans to go to. And, you know, if I was to really beat my drum, it would be about getting junior players or prospective junior players out to college matches. I mean, you know me, I have a four-and-a-half-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and, two and, and they love tennis because all they've ever been to are college matches, and they can be noisy and run around, and there's cheering, and there's lots of people to watch. Um, so I think finding ways to continue, it goes back to telling the story and getting people excited about college tennis could be huge for American tennis. So what is the ITA doing specifically to help in that regard? Well, I think, you know, um, helping our coaches continue to promote um, their programs and their communities, um, giving people, you know, sharing best practices from our best coaches. I think the more people you get out to your matches, the more you're integrated on your campus and in your community, the better it is for your program and the better it is for tennis. And so helping incentivize our coaches to do that in the future will be a big thing for us. Also, when we're looking to set things up for our convention, we also have a plan to do some educational webinars for our coaches. Those are some of the topics that we will address because those are controllable. You know, there's certain things as a coach you can't really control. You think you control the winning and losing, but I coached for nine years. You really don't. But you can't control how you promote your team in in the community and on your campus. And those are ways that I think and huge opportunities we have as a leadership group at the ITA to help college tennis more. So, um, you know, if I had my way, I would be able to focus on that all the time. <laughs> but And hopefully we'll get to that point at some point here. Well, and what about funding issues? Because it's, it's so interesting to me, you know, the, the further I get into the process, the more I learn. And there are a lot of schools that their tennis teams are not fully funded, and not just in terms of having the full eight or four and a half scholarships available, 
but also in terms of funding travel, equipment, support staff, Mm -hmm. all of those things. And I think it's, you know, one of the things that was so shocking to us when we first started, you know, looking at colleges and, and understanding the differences between a program that does have a really nice budget and fully funded scholarships versus one that may not. And it really is a very different experience from the player side, too. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's just something that's college athletic. It, it really is indicative of college athletics, and it's not just a tennis problem. Um, you can look across all sports, and the funding within a conference or within a region or within a division can vary tremendously. And I think that's where us as the ITA have to be keenly aware of the different demands on our coaches based on their program and, and funding level. There are some of our coaches who have to fundraise every single dollar for their program, whether it's scholarships, whether it's travel budgets, etc. There are some of our coaches who have a budget that they can barely spend in a year, you know, and, and their issues are going to be very, very different from that previous group of coaches. And so, Um, really addressing that, um, you know, and I think at some point it'd probably be great to get Tim on your show. You know, his, his background is really higher education. And one of the things, you know, we talk about telling the story a lot, he wants to get out and talk to university presidents, athletic directors, start to have some of these conversations, find creative ways that we can continue to help our coaches and help our programs. Right. I mean, it's interesting, too, um, again, you know, just as as a parent watching all of this unfold, there are coaches who are really good at networking, not just in their own communities, but in all the communities where they travel with their team. And, you know, they work really well to for example, get housing for their team when they travel to matches as opposed to having to pay for hotels and meals. Um, and to me, these are the kinds of things that if all coaches got better at it, then, you know, maybe we would see fewer programs getting cut because the budgetary issues just might not be an issue anymore. Absolutely. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head is coaches have to be creative And, um, you know, and I think, too, we have to help facilitate um, cross-communication within our coaches association and people sharing best practices. Um, You know, offline, you and I were kind of joking and talking about one of our, one of my friends when I was coaching who lives in Las Vegas and she used to host my team. She also used to host Greg Patton's men's team at Boise State. And, you know, I always had a great network of housing, so I didn't have to spend that money as a coach. And there are a lot of coaches out there. There's some coaches who haven't thought of that. So how do we get the word out to all of them and get them engaged in doing that is, is really the next big challenge. Right. And, you know, from the fundraising aspect, too, um, you know, ways of of engaging in your local business community so that those business owners want to invest in your team and, you know, maybe provide some grant money or some seed money so that every school can have what Stanford has and, you know, have this incredible pool of money to, to pay for coaching and facilities and everything else that you need. I mean, it's, it's crazy that the, I guess, the, how wide the gap is between the coaches that are doing it really well and the coaches that haven't quite figured it out yet. 
Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that is challenging in, in tennis and, and also in a number of Olympic sports is you get outside of Division One in some of the smaller schools, you have coaches that it may not even be a full-time position that they have. You know, the head coaching position might actually be a part-time position. So it's somebody who's teaching at a club and then they're coaching the team from 2 to 6 p.m. Well, how do they, you know, how do we give them the tools and resources to still do that same type of networking as somebody whose job is 9 to 5 to coach college tennis? And, you know, that's probably the big challenge that we have is how do we help all of our coaches? Right. That's, I mean, I had never even thought of that, but you're right. That would be, <laughs> I mean, just an incredible <laughs> hurdle if, if it's yeah. a part-time position or or even the coaches where it's a full-time position, but they're coaching both the men and the women, you know, and they're oh, having absolutely. to divide their time. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. And, you know, really some of those coaches are really some of our most incredible ITA coaches, the ones who do coach both programs, find ways to make it work, are creative with their fundraising. And those are the stories that we do have to get out there and share with our fellow coaches and honestly share with the media, share with the tennis world at large because it is really cool. Mm-hmm. And so from from the parent side, as the COO of the ITA, what do you want us to know about what you're doing and what do you want us to know about college tennis? Where is the the hook for the parents out there? Well, and, you know, Lisa, you got to hear me when I used to wear my other hat when I was working for USDA Player Development, and I was speaking to parents and kids quite a bit about the recruiting process. But I do believe that if you want to play college tennis, you can. And the biggest thing that I see when I, um, you know, speak to parents, meet with parents, listen to parents talking is there always seems to be that focus on the top of Division One, And I think there's a tremendous tennis and educational opportunities across all divisions. And really, I would encourage parents and kids to start the process early and see everything that's out there. Um, really, you can be at almost any level of a junior player and find somewhere to play college tennis if it's what you really aspire to do. And I think, and granted I'm biased as a former student athlete and as a former coach, I think being a student athlete is one of the most incredible things you can do in college, and I think it really does prepare you for the real world. And so that would be my sell to the parents out there is, you know, your, your child is playing tennis right now. There's something for them to call, you know, there's something for them in college tennis, and you need to help them get there. Is the ITA, I mean, is there a plan um, to maybe set up some sort of email alert system or I don't know, I'm just kind of, this is popping into my head as we're talking, but <laughs> it, would, it would be awesome like if there were an email that went out every Monday or every Tuesday that said these are the college matches that are going to be happening within a 20-mile radius of you this week. Um, it would be so cool to have something like that set up, whether it's, you know, D1, D2, D3, junior college, whatever. Um, because I think part of the issue is people don't know what's out there. You know, they don't, I mean, I don't know why. I feel like, you know, especially like so with I think- Bobby now. <laughs> 
so I think you're addressing the big challenge. And I think, you know, from, from just knowing me for a while now and knowing the challenges in our current job, we inherited some, some older technology. And I think in a dream world, either our website or something, there could be something automated where it matches this week and you can access it really easily. We're still working on our end, and, and I think we have a goal of kind of achieving that in the next two to three years of creating just what you're talking about. So you do have a one-stop shop at the ITA website where you can really see all of college tennis. So I think we're definitely aligned on our end, we really just have some technology hurdles, and you know how that is. <laughs> yeah, I do. But, you know, what's what's tough, and I think this is where maybe there's a little bit of confusion from the parent side, is really having that understanding. And that's why I asked you, you know, to kind of define the roles of ITA versus NCAA versus USTA. And, you know, I think to for parents to understand that, if you want up-to-date information on college tennis, ITA is really the go-to place for that. I mean, that's that's all the ITA does is college tennis, period, the end. NCAA Absolutely. handles all the sports. <laughs> USTA handles all the various levels of tennis. ITA is specific to college tennis. And um, I think it will be phenomenal when you all do get caught up technology-wise and can, you know, do the kinds of things to get the word out a little better. But in the meantime, I mean, you guys have a Facebook page, you have Twitter, um, you have Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat, so I don't know if you have Snapchat, but I'm guessing y'all do. Uh, So, I mean, there are ways for parents to engage with you and, you know, have a heads up about the events coming to their area. Absolutely. And I think that's something we've done a lot better job with um, this past year communication wise. And when we get to the spring, um, we actually last year worked with Bobby Knight some to kind of do match previews of the week. We worked with our partner PlaySite and had a stream match of the week. We've obviously entered in partnership with Flow Tennis, who's just getting into the streaming tennis space. So I think we're moving, and we're, I feel like we're moving really fast, but we also have a long way to go. And, I mean, you're, you're right on track with kind of where we see ourselves. And, you know, I think Tim, is, as the leader of our organization, that is definitely where he wants us to go and where we're trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, the conversation about getting people out to the matches has been going on as long as I've been involved, you know, with all of this, so, you know, so yep. for at least – five, six years, maybe longer than that, I'm sure. But um, I I don't know what can be done, and, and I know you guys think about this and talk about this a lot, but what can be done to encourage people to come to the matches, to get junior coaches to bring their kids out to the matches, to get parents to bring their kids out to the matches? And um, I just – you know, as a tennis fan, I don't understand why it's not happening. I don't get it because, A, the matches are typically free, and, B, like you said, it's it's the most exciting tennis product that we have. <laughs> yep. I, you know, and you really – you addressed it well in that there are a lot of teaching pros who don't get their junior players out to college matches, um, and that's been a challenging group 
you know, to get. But I think that is one of our target audiences. You know, to me, one of our target audiences of the ITA is prospective junior players and, frankly, their parents and coaches or, you know, as we talk in modern terms, their team. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you're exactly right, you know, and, but it is challenging. You know, I have friends who are teaching pros, and when you're making, you know, $100 an hour to teach a lesson or teach a group, some teaching pros unfortunately aren't that motivated to instead for free bring a bunch of players out to a college match, you know, and I hate to place blame on parents because I'm a parent as well. There's also parents who would rather send their child to a tennis lesson than send them to a, to a college tennis match where I might argue that experience going to the college tennis match may impact their tennis even more so than a one hour lesson, you know? Well, and that's the thing, and and maybe, you know, this is an education um, issue, but for my dollar, I would rather pay that same fee to that coach while he's taking my kid to a match. Um, Right? Yes, and I mean... You but know, I think that's we have situations. Tennis parent, Lisa. <laughs> well, um, that is a debatable statement right there. But um, there is a reason that I write about all the screw ups that I've made over the years. But, um, but I mean, seriously, you know, I I remember when my kid was in juniors, and there were days where he did not hit a single tennis ball during a lesson. It was all spent. Yep in the office having conversation or watching video and, you know, I was still paying what it costs, but those days were really valuable. And I feel like, again, you know, if we can educate parents to understand that just because your kid's not hitting tennis balls during their lesson time doesn't mean they're not learning and getting better as a player, that there are other aspects to getting good than simply being on the court hitting balls. So, you know, maybe that's just kind of a paradigm shift that needs to happen in terms of mindset and um, when I, you know, Lisa, maybe it's another I article to write. <laughs> I was going to say, not not to put it on you, but I think in some ways, and, you know, I think you and Dan from our staff have kind of created this awesome partnership and there's information going back and forth, but even your role as Morgan transitioned from junior tennis to college tennis, I think you've provided a lot of really good education for parents who maybe still have junior players or have, you know, gone through that transition as well. And, you know, to get some of your gospel out there and continue to do it, I think is really important. I mean, I think what you've done in a lot of ways has been really important for junior tennis and college tennis. And I would love to have more people like you out there. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, that's sweet. But but the reality is that it it's going to take it coming from several angles. And, you know, I think having Stephen at, at USTA heading up collegiate tennis there, you know, that's an opportunity, too, because because USTA encompasses all the different stages of tennis from, you Absolutely. know, entry level through adulthood, that that's a role that maybe um, Stephen's office could, could help with as well, you know, is kind of bridging that communication between the juniors and the collegiate office and, and understanding that they've got to feed each other. Mhm. Absolutely. I mean, I think so, that'd I mean, be great. I think it's a it's a big task, and you know, when 
when I was working in player development for the USTA, that was one of the things that I attempted to tackle. I, I think it's a long process, um, but I do think, you know, things are in good hands with Steven, and if anybody can, can make headway there, I, I think he can for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been very impressed with him so far, so I'm pretty excited about about what they're doing. And as you and I talked before we went on air, I mean, their USDA is going to be doing a, a collegiate poll every week during the season, which I think is really cool. And it's going to be in conjunction with you guys. And they're putting together a panel of people that will vote each week. And, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and, you know, really anything that college tennis out there is good for college tennis, you know. And um, I think we would love to see even more support maybe outside of Division One across the board because, you know, we're really focused on all of college tennis. It's, it's hard, um, whether it's in the media or in other organizations, they tend to want to focus solely on Division One. So we keep trying to kind of promote all of college tennis, and that's kind of what we'll continue to do. But all of this is awesome. Anytime we add something new that promotes college tennis, it's a win for us. Well, I think, you know, it's – it's very challenging when you know this um, when you get outside of Division One, and and I wrote an article about this last spring. Um, there's a Division Three school walking distance to my house now in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I have reached out and reached out and reached out, offering to do whatever they need, you know, with their team, and um, you know, do you need do you just need another body to make phone calls or send emails or you know whatever? I'll do whatever you need. And I'm having a really hard time getting through, um, getting responses, getting anybody to engage with me. And I think, and and it never occurred to me, but it's probably what you said before, that the coach probably is doing this as a part-time job on top of another full-time job. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm not high on their radar because (laughs) they've got, you know, 10 gajillion irons in the fire that they're juggling. And so maybe, you know, this is yet another thing that, I mean, you obviously recognize that the ITA can can really step in and help with. And, um, you know, if you have have issues that you think would be good for parenting aces to share, you know, I'm always willing to to share the story and um, you just have to let me know. But I I would love, I mean, just – Having gone to one of the matches at this school, the the team wasn't like, you know, the level of tennis wasn't what I was used to seeing, but these kids were having so much fun. And, yep. I mean, I, it was a joy to watch them play because you could tell they were so happy to be out there. And... I thought that was really cool. It gave me a whole new perspective on what college tennis can look like, and I had never seen that before because usually it's so intense when they're on the court. You know, they're battling so Absolutely. hard and, you know, fighting so hard for the win, and, and this was more just, gosh, we're out here, we're at this beautiful facility, we're getting to play this game we love, and somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so right. It's just really cool to watch. I mean, it was just a very different, very different experience. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we forget, but, you know, student-athletes love playing on teams. And that really is the beauty of college tennis is 
it's an enjoyable experience, whether it's ultra competitive or not competitive is playing on a team with your teammates and friends is, is a blast. And, you know, there's really nothing better. And, and that's really what you were witnessing. And, you know, that's why we kind of keep, uh, keep singing our song and trying to get people out to matches just to kind of replicate that experience that you're talking about. Well, I think we need to, um, and, and I've been very guilty of this because my experience is at the D1 level, but definitely need to take a, a better look at the alternatives to D1 tennis and tell those stories. I mean, we've got phenomenal teams just in the Atlanta area outside of D1. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure other communities have that as well. And, you know, if the school doesn't have the budget to promote, like they need to, then the rest of us need to step up and and help them out. So I, I'm I'm up for that challenge this year. I like it. <laughs> I like how every time we get on the phone, we create more work for you and for me. It's great. <laughs> well, you know, I listen. I'm an empty nester. I'm like telling everybody I know. Like, Do you need me to babysit your baby? Do you need me to walk your dog? <laughs> I'll answer yes to all those questions. You can come see me anytime. (laughs) Good. Well, I wish you were a little closer. Um, (laughs) All right. So we've got just about 15 minutes left, and I want to make sure that that we touch on um, the fact that you and I have, have conversed numerous times about recruiting and the process of recruiting and how bad most of us are at going through the process with our children. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and here's the thing. Um, recruiting, when I guess it's different for every single kid. Um, yes. And it's different for every family. But there are so many secrets in recruiting and so many secrets in college tennis. And I think some of those secrets need to stay secrets, but some <laughs> of them don't. And I agree. <laughs> you know, I, I think there is a real challenge in terms of getting the right information out to families. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons why, you know, like you said earlier in the show, people tend to focus on D1 because that's what they know. That's what's being written about. Mm-hmm. That's what's on TV. And um, so I'm really hoping that you and I can have some regular conversations in this forum, you know, on the Parenting Aces podcast about best practices in recruiting from the family side. Um, mm-hmm. We talk a lot about what the players need to do in terms of doing their research and, you know, reaching out to coaches starting early on and all these other things. But, but from the parent side, you know, how do we guide our kids? And, you know, what are, what are some of the questions that we parents should be asking? What are some of the red flags we should be looking for? And I'm, I would love to have those kinds of conversations with you um, periodically and, and really see if we can't help some people 
you know, avoid having to transfer after a year. Um, right. Or, you know, avoid quitting tennis altogether because they're having such a miserable experience. Um, you know, and stay with the sport and have a positive, positive four years. Absolutely. And I think you know that this is an area that I'm exceptionally passionate about, you know, in my previous position when I was with the USTA, my favorite thing was going out and speaking to parents and kids about the process and actually answering some of those questions. And I think to your point, depending on the level of player, both tennis wise and academically, everything is very individualized, but I do think there's certain themes across the board that if we can get that information out and start some of those discussions, we can really help parents and kids in the process and at the end end up helping college tennis. Um, You know, one of the beautiful things with tennis and a number of Olympic sports is you can transfer and most of the time you don't have to sit out a year per NCAA rules. However, we do see a lot of transferring based on maybe bad decisions the first time around or mistakes made in the recruiting process. So to your point, how do we avoid some of those mistakes? You know, and at the end of the day, you're not going to avoid all of them, I think, as you, as you know, but I think you can eliminate um, a large portion of them by getting the information out there. So you know that I'd be down for that anytime. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love to do that. And I think it would really be a service to – parents out there and I'm telling you even parents that have gone through it with other kids like you know each child's situation is different um, whether it's because they're a different gender or they're a different level of player or they're a different level as you said academically um, you really have to look at different things for each kid and I'm always kind of shocked when I see siblings wind up at the same program you know I always kind of think, wow, that's kind of interesting that, you know, this one program was right for two or three of your kids in your family, but it happens. Um, But more often, more often is the kids are at different schools and, you know, oftentimes very different schools. I mean, yeah, you know, different geographically, whatever, size-wise, all those things. So, um, well, let's, let's, definitely plan on that let's have um yeah conversation around you know some of the the questions that nobody really wants to talk about (laughs) yeah um, and you know i love to talk about things that people don't want to talk about so it's perfect i do know that (laughs) i do know that and you're always so forthcoming which i love because i you know for 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 those of you listening erica and i met at the ncaa's in athens Gosh, I think my son was in eighth grade, or maybe he was in ninth grade at the time. And um, and I think my son a, was five months old. <laughs> yeah, you had Does just that seem about had right. Him. Yeah, you had just had <laughs> yeah. him. And um, Erica was running a session for. I guess my son was in ninth grade, so you were running a session for high school players and their parents at the NCAA's on college tennis, and it was awesome. I mean, the panel you had pulled together was amazing, but after the session, I went up to Erica and introduced myself, and we've kind of been fast friends ever since, and (laughs) she is my go-to. I mean, she is honestly my go-to whenever I have a question, and what I love is, Erica, you always give me a straight-up answer. There's no sugarcoating. It's always, (laughs) you got to do this, this, and this, yeah. Um, 
so I love that. And that's why I feel like, you know, if we can have these conversations and record them through the podcast, that this, this could be a really valuable resource to parents that are just starting their recruiting process or even the ones that are already knee-deep and just need a little extra guidance. So um, I will look forward to doing that with you. That would be awesome. That will be fun. <laughs> it will be. It will be. So um, anything else you want to share with us before we go off the air and you get back to the championships? No, I mean, I think everyone in your audience has now heard me say at least 100 times to get out and take your kids to college tennis matches. But um, really, you know, on the ITA side of it, I think we've got a really passionate um, staff who loves college tennis. We love our coaches. We love our student athletes. We want to continue to grow the sport. So anything we can do to help and make it better, we really are all ears and I look forward to interacting with everyone in your audience and continuing to get on the show. I mean, gosh, it's been almost six months. We need to do this more often. (laughs) For sure. Well, you're a hard woman to pin down, I have to say. I am. It's a little bit me, I know. (laughs) (laughs) The invitation is always open. I am always here for you anytime. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me let you get back to your championships. And thank you so much for coming on today and and, uh, kind of shedding a little more light on what ITA's role is and how you guys are working with USTA and NCAA and and what we need to be doing as as tennis parents out here to to help the cause of saving college tennis. So thank you and uh, enjoy your time. Absolutely. I don't know if we need to, we need to save it. We just need to promote it and make it better. Promote it. <laughs> I think okay. Maybe I, think I need to start working on my hashtag. Yeah, maybe it's Come time on. to make it Can we go there. grow college tennis? How about that one, Lisa? <laughs> I'll do it. I, we'll make it happen. Like Let's it. do it. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, well thank I'll you. you. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Lisa. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. So, you guys, I am going to be in Malibu at the Oracle ITA Junior Masters and regular Masters next week. I'm really excited, and I'm going to be doing some writing for the ITA um, as well as for ParentingAces.com. And I'm looking forward to really hearing the, the player perspective on these two events and Talking to some of the coaches that are there, I know that the juniors, several of them will be traveling with their parents as opposed to their coaches, so I'll have an opportunity to talk to uh, some of you, I hope, that are listening in. Um, Hopefully, you'll be out there. If you live in the area, the L.A. area, and have a chance to come out to the tournament, it starts next Thursday at the Malibu Racquet Club and runs through Sunday. There's going to be, I mean, just some incredible tennis happening. And like I said before, that facility is so magnificent. I mean, you sit and watch the matches, and you've got this amazing view of the mountains and amazing view of the Pacific Ocean. And um, if you're lucky enough to go watch some of the matches at Pepperdine, the view from there is even more gorgeous. It's just crazy beautiful. So I hope to see some of you out there. If you are planning to come, I hope you'll look for me. I'll be the one wearing the Parenting Aces shirt. So please come say hello and introduce yourself. And uh, other than that, I, I 
that's it for this week. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to talk about. Um, one other thing I will say is our Saul Schwartz tournament that we did in Baltimore last month, or I guess now it's been two months ago, was such a tremendous success. I'm still getting emails from people who want to put on similar events in their cities, and we are planning to do at least four of these events in 2017. So if you're interested in having a UTR-based, um, quote, the soul in your city or club, please reach out to me. We are looking for facilities. We're looking for tournament directors. And obviously, we'll be looking for players once we figure out where and when we're doing these things. But um, we really want to see this thing grow. The concept was very well received, and um, we would like to see it continue. So I hope to hear from you guys about that. And uh, I think that's it for us for this week. So have a great week. If you're in SoCal next week, please come out to the Malibu Racquet Club in Pepperdine and watch the Oracle ITA Masters and Junior Masters events and come say hi to me. All right, have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Parenting Aces.